You're listening to the one-on-one with Juan and Only Sports podcast. I'm your host, Theo Juan. Welcome to season two of the podcast. This season, we're going to be looking at the stories and lives of the players, coaches, and personalities that make up the world of Ultimate. Each week, I will talk to a new guest, and we will talk about their journey into Ultimate, what their life in Ultimate looks like, their most memorable games, and a fun rapid-fire segment to end the episode. If you like the podcast, I would love for you to subscribe and drop a review and get the word out about the podcast to others. Your support is truly appreciated. New episodes come out every Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by Away From Keyboard. AFK is a lifestyle brand that believes in reconnecting with humanity and our planet. Whether that's tossing a disc on the weekends or hanging out by a campfire, they're dedicated to get you to explore and grow in your own backyard. Join the adventure and check out their website at www.awayfromkeyboard.co. That's www.awayfromkeyboard.co. Now with all that done, let's go. This week's guest is Ann Worth. Ann Worth was the 2020 Callahan Award winner and the 2019 Premier Ultimate League Breakout Player of the Year who plays for both the Rally Phoenix and Rally Radiance of the Premier Ultimate League. In college, Anne played for UNC Pleiades for four years, helping the program become one of the top teams in the college women's division. During her time at UNC, the team went from not making nationals in her first year to finishing 13th in 2017, 5th in 2018, and 3rd in 2019. Along with winning the Callahan Award in 2020, she was named Ulti World's 2019 Division I Offensive Player of the Year and First Team All-American. She was named an Atlantic Coast First Team All-Region Player in 2019 and was on the 2016 Atlantic Coast All-Freshman Team. On the world stage, Anne played for the Team USA U24 Mixed Team in 2019 that won gold, and she was selected to be a member of the Women's National Team for the 2020 World Ultimate and Guts Championships. With the Rally Phoenix, Anne made the quarterfinals in the 2019 USA Ultimate National Championships. And with the Rally Radiance, she came in second in the 2019 PUL season, losing to Columbia's Revolution in the championship game. Anne currently lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here is my interview with Anne Worth. Alright, so I'm here with Anne Worth. She won the Callahan Award in 2020, Breakout Player of the Year in the PUL in 2019. Represented Team USA as well, and was going to represent USA on the women's team. Unfortunately, uh, as you probably know, COVID stopped those plans. But Anne's had a lot of accomplishments in the last few years, so really excited to talk to her. Anne, how are you doing all the way from Raleigh, North Carolina? I'm doing well, doing well. And uh, yeah, we're excited to hear your uh, story there. So we'll start it off at the top. How did you get into the sport of Ultimate? Because you were someone who, as we talked off air has started a little bit later than some people who've played, uh, you know, Youth Ultimate or U20s, Team USA, uh, YCCs, that kind of stuff. So what was your introduction into Ultimate like? So I went to high school in Asheville, North Carolina, and I ran track and cross country in high school, played a little bit of pickup frisbee with my cross country team. But when I got to college, I knew I wanted to do some sort of sport, but I was pretty tired of running. So I decided to just try something new and come out to ultimate tryouts. 
Um, and I drug along my best friend, Rebecca Fagan, and we went to the first like learn to play session and just ended up falling in love with it pretty much immediately. And yeah, the rest is history. Like I've been pretty obsessed with the sport since. So the ironic thing in that statement, though, is is you said that you don't like or didn't like running because Ultimate, as you know, has running in it. So what about Ultimate, specifically maybe chasing plastic, is uh, what got you into the sport? Because obviously uh, track and cross country, you're just kind of running and it's yourself and it, it may be kind of mundane. So is that what was different about Ultimate? Well, first of all, I probably didn't know how much running Frisbee was when I first went to tryouts, but... Other than that, I think I really just wanted the team atmosphere. That's what I knew I needed to replace after like kind of like quitting another sport. So that's what I was really looking for. And I do like, I mean, while running is a team sport, it's not nearly as much about cooperation and like trusting your teammates. And that's something that I really fell in love with early about Frisbee. And I do, I do still like running. <laughs> just, you know, Ultimate's definitely a slightly different type of running. And I have grown to like that even more than I liked cross country. So. With your previous experiences in high school, were you also doing any other team sports or were you mostly just doing the running and the track, like cross country and track? It was just the cross country and track. I played soccer before high school, but gave it up to, to do running. So yeah. Were you potentially thinking about doing cross country or track at UNC or that wasn't something that you were thinking of at the time? I definitely wasn't good enough to be on our like varsity teams. We do have like a club cross country and track program that I could have like participated in, but I was just pretty burnt out, honestly, from four years of doing it in high school and just ready for a change of pace. Yeah. So walk us through your first season, right? You're learning the ins and outs of the game. You're probably playing some pretty big, uh, big name players playing for UNC there. And so what was your first year like just getting into the sport? First of all, learning how to throw, that's a whole new uh, whole new thing. So what was that like? It was great. I mean, I was really fortunate to have a couple really good mentors on the team. Jocelyn Kyung and Jenny Wei were two of the people on our team who I like really looked up to from the start. They just kind of like modeled what a really committed and supportive teammate is and just showed me how you could have so much fun doing something that was also very serious and I don't know, also just like take all of that energy and apply that to other parts of my life. So yeah, I don't know. It was a year of a lot of growth. And then as well as those two teammates, also having um, Jesse Jones, who is our coach and still is our coach for UNC Pleadies. Um, she's just a huge mentor for me and like really shown me, you know, what the sport can be and how to play it right and just how to be really committed to something. So yeah, I think those people made a huge difference my first year. Just like being really supportive, really, really positive. Because yeah, as anyone who's like just learned to throw knows, it can be so, so frustrating. So I think that's the thing, like coming to Pleadies practice, I knew it was gonna be a place where people were always cheering you on, people were always supporting you. There was never negativity, even though we weren't, like, even though we didn't make nationals that year, there was never a shortage of smiles and high fives and positivity. And I think that's what I really liked about the sport. Yeah, and you're probably used to the the practice schedule as well, because of your, your background in track and cross country, right? Like you were used to kind of the work it took to get there, right? I've always really enjoyed kind of like grinding through like workouts and stuff. Like I think that's something that cross country and track taught me to like really value. 
And so I really liked that part of it. Our team that year was like really committed. You know, we did plenty of fitness and I really appreciated kind of having an outlet for that in Frisbee as well. As you're developing as a player and as the program is growing, were you doing things outside of the college game as well to get better? Like you're playing club eventually as well. So how did you try to get in reps, not just in the college season? Well, outside of like official practices and stuff, we played a lot of like mixed threes, like mini with with the guys team and with like the other teams at the university. So I did a lot of that, did a lot of throwing outside of practice with Rebecca and with other friends and teammates. And then, yeah, come springtime, I tried out for Raleigh Phoenix, which is the, you know, women's club team in the in the area and didn't make it, but they gave me a practice player position, which I felt really grateful to get. So and then I played for Rogue that summer, which was kind of like a developmental women's team in the area. So I had my hands full with Phoenix practice and Rogue practice that summer and pretty much just, yeah, played as much Frisbee as I could. In your second year there? Your second year playing ultimate, really, right? Like competitive or organized ultimate. Your team makes nationals. Probably not the result that uh, you want, but hey, you got to start somewhere. So you come in 13th, and as we mentioned in the bio, your uh, trajectory goes up there. So what was the first nationals like for you and your team? Yeah, the first nationals was amazing. We The year before, it was a really hard-fought season with our local rival, Virginia, and that, you know, they were always better than us and we knew they were always better than us. And we lost to them in the finals, um, the game to go of regionals. But then the next year we really came back with a vengeance. And I believe our region had at least two bids. Like, I think we set ourselves up pretty well to get a bid to nationals that year. And it just felt so surreal almost. Like I remember just being like kind of astonished that we'd actually done it at the end, even though that was kind of what was expected of us. And just to see some of the older players on the team who had put so much time in. Elizabeth Parker is another one who put so much time and effort into this team. And then to finally be kind of rewarded with that Nationals appearance was amazing. Nationals itself was very like, just, yeah, had no idea what to expect. Our team had no, you know, our goals were kind of basically just to like play the best we could. It was, I think our goal was to like make it out of pool play or something, which I don't think we ended up doing, but it was really just a tournament to get our feet wet and to like understand what that stage looked like, I think. You were able to stay on that stage for the next two years of your career. So you come back to Nationals in 2018 and you're now making it not just out of pool play, but making it into the quarters, right? So what was that like? Uh, pretty cool experience. UNC, obviously the men's team has done very well and the women's team is uh, moving up there as well in uh, in the college game. Yeah, I mean, that was amazing. I think, yeah, that year we felt like we had something to prove. We felt like we had played a really great season and, you know, we're definitely going places. And a lot of us weren't rookies anymore. My rookie class was a really strong class, and I think we took a lot of pride in that. And that Nationals was a little disappointing. Like, I think we believed that we could do better. Although, I mean, the game against Stanford that we lost, they played a great game. And I think at the end of the day, they were the better team. But we had kind of hoped for an easier path, I think. But things fell one way or the other. We had a really tough loss to OSU earlier in the tournament that could have put us in a much better position. So in some ways, we brought that on ourselves. Uh, another good, really, learning experience, I'd say. Yeah, and while, while this is happening, you're then not just on the practice squad for Rally Phoenix. You're actually getting reps in on the team. So would you say that that was uh, the time you felt like you were heading into 
obviously you're heading into a positive direction, but you're really making a name for yourself at that point because you're playing for this high-level club team as well as a top college team at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think even more than making a name for myself, I just like really realized what level I could be playing at and what level I should be aspiring to play at. And I remember like my first club nationals after the first day, my body had never felt as wrecked. I was basically just like, oh my gosh, cutting against defense of this quality for a whole day. Like I've never done that before. Never had to like work that hard all day, every game, like no matter the matchup. And so I think that was really just like a wake up call of like, okay, like this is really hard, but like, I I mean, I can do it, you know, and I I have the strength and the skills to do this. And then coming back into the college season after your first club nationals and you're on this great high from all this competition, I do think it makes you push your college team even harder because you know what your teammates can do as well. Like it's not just about you. So I think that really did help our team. You know, I had a lot of other teammates that were also playing for Phoenix and I think having that really successful club team in the area definitely helped to push our college team forward too. Along with all these things happening, was there anything else specific that you were doing to help build your confidence? Maybe someone listening to the audience, I'll give you a chance to give some advice later, but maybe someone listening to the audience wants to reach that level of playing for a high level club in their country, wherever they are. So what did you do to to build your confidence in the game to know that this is something you could do? My really only like advice is just to like, play as much ultimate as you like possibly can. Like I just loved the game and loved every opportunity. And I, whenever my team was playing like mini, I was out there and I was out there early to throw. And I stayed till the last game and begged people to play one more. And like, I played, you know, bad pickup at leagues and like indoor. And I think at some point, all those reps really add up. And it doesn't necessarily matter how serious the quality is if you're taking it seriously. If you start a game and you're like, I'm going to practice my fadeaway flick this game, like I'm going to hit that back corner with my flick, you know, and you focus on that and you succeed in that, then you'll be able to do that in a really high level game one day. So just like taking every single playing opportunity and getting something out of it, I think really helped me feel confident in those big moments. It sounds like for you as well, personally, that you really immersed yourself in the game. Like you really took to just like doing everything you could for the sport and kind of like basically centered your life around it would that be correct to say yeah I mean I definitely like I started coaching at the high school level at the middle school level and over the summer and most of my friends were frisbee people and like I was just doing you know socializing with frisbee people watching frisbee all the time I would definitely say that in college it was pretty much every aspect of my life was connected to frisbee in some way which I think made it easier to excel at that because I was just so like thinking about it all the time yeah the full immersion sounds like a a good plan there and 2019 kind of the last uh, full year of playing obviously in 2020 there was kind of like a I guess a a little bit of a season in the fall there but in the full uh, uh, season of 2019 your team comes in third makes it to the semifinals which is a pretty sweet deal right not many people can say they made it to uh, semifinals of uh, U.S. college nationals there Right. I mean, that was just so, so exciting. I mean, that whole year we knew we were really a strong team. You know, the freshman class that I was a part of was then seniors and we had a really strong rookie class that year. So it was very exciting. And just even though we lost in semis, it just felt it felt so amazing to like play on that showcase field in front of a crowd 
and like to know we were on ESPN and like, I mean, it really felt like the pinnacle, I guess. Our whole team was devastated at losing. You know, we of, of course were like aiming to win. I mean, that year when we had our goals discussions, it wasn't make it out of pool play. It was walk away with the trophy, obviously. Like we knew we were capable of that. But I mean, at the end of the day, what happens happens. And yeah, it's still one of my fondest memories. It was an amazing nationals. It sounds like also a big part of your experience has been your team and and the culture you've been a part of. So would you be able to summarize uh, what the team culture means to you and what the things that Jesse Jones and the rest of the coaching staff and captains have put in place in your program and obviously captains from years past as well to really bring a positive culture to your program there? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Like being a part of UNC Pleiades is what has made me love ultimate and what has made me just want to dedicate pretty much, you know, four years of my life to it. And I think going back to what I said earlier, the team culture is really centered around just like unrelenting positivity. Like we don't tolerate any sort of negativity. That that just makes it a place that I, that people want to be and that people want to succeed in. And then kind of like, I guess more ultimate specifically, Jesse really focuses on the fundamentals. I don't even know how many practices of the spring season we pretty much just run our dump sets like for an hour and a half. You know, it's this emphasis on we are going to be so good at the basics that we're basically unbeatable. And then we allow our athletes to go out and be athletes. And that's what wins us games. But we're not relying on star power. We're not relying on the wind takes the disc and we have a crazy layout in the back corner. Like when that happens, like Jesse's like, okay, cool. Let's be hype about it. But then like, let's go back and drill those dump sets. So we don't have to throw that bailout huck. So I think that kind of emphasis on the system above any individual player or above, you know, any individual play is what makes Pleiades feel like a team. And like when we win or lose, we win or lose as a team based on those systems. So obviously, uh, along with the rest of the world there, COVID stopping, ultimate Frisbee plans, of course, and your college season, which would have been your fifth year of eligibility, was kind of uh, cut short there. But uh, you had something cool happen. I know it's kind of weird to hand out an award for kind of half a season or, or three quarters of a season, but nonetheless, you won a pretty big award. So why don't you tell the audience about that and what that experience was like? So I won the 2020 Callahan, and I will probably be the only Callahan winner ever to not play a game in the spring season that they win the award. I broke my right hand like at the beginning in January of that year. So I didn't get to play at Queen City. And yeah, I mean, it was a weird time to get an honor like that because I think Frisbee was kind of at the back of everyone's mind. I mean, including my own, you know, no one was playing. There just were a lot of more important things going on in the world at the time. But nonetheless, I mean, I'm really honored to have received it and I think the fact that it's an award voted on by your peers like really just makes it feel important and kind of validates like I don't know just like all the time and effort that I've put into the game and like I mean I like to think about it as not just about like whose video was best or you know whose whose name people know but also just like hopefully like who people like respect and who people think has given back to the community and so I think that's what makes it meaningful to me. Yeah, well said there. And I know uh, it's also not the same with uh, standing with the other nominees and then hearing your name at the big award ceremony as we've seen before. So obviously a little bit different, but 
still an honor nonetheless that you can uh, pass down to uh, you know your family grandkids or whoever so pretty uh, sweet thing there and you also played not just club not just college but also some pro ultimate out there in raleigh so we talked about this off air you wrote an article about representation and ultimate and just being able to to play in front of a live crowd and travel and do all those things. So what was your experience with the Rally Radiance like? And you won a, a cool award there as well. So uh, more awards to add to the trophy case there. Yeah, I mean, my experience with the Rally Radiance was just amazing. Like, I think I loved the kind of one-game format, the travel around in front of a crowd, get to see a new city, like really bond with your teammates on the way. I thought that was amazing. I also just want to sing Mike Denardis' praises. He's the owner of the Raleigh Radiance, helped a little with coaching in college for me. And yeah, he's also just like a mentor. I think he really lifts up women's ultimate in our community. He also owns the men's team, the Raleigh Flyers, the AUDL team, and has basically given completely equal perks to the Radiance and the Flyers and just makes me feel very like valued and like makes women's ultimate feel equal to men's ultimate in our community, which is something that I know people are fighting for across the country. And I feel like, I feel like the triangle is just like a microcosm that has kind of achieved that. Obviously not fully, but yeah, I think the Radiance is, is a great example of moving towards that goal. And I had a ton of fun playing in the league. And were there certain things that you learned playing with, you're probably playing against similar players that you'd be playing with in club. But just the whole format just different, right? Like, I know I had some people, some women who are on the Eurostars tour, and, and they love that one-game format, the fans. Maybe they did they did some clinics before, but it's just a whole different experience, right? Playing that one-game format in front of a crowd that you probably wouldn't see at a college nationals. Yeah, it was definitely different. I think the biggest difference to me, especially, like, thinking back to championship weekend in Atlanta, we played like two games back to back on like subsequent days. And it was really, really hot. And in the PUL, the time between points is limited. And of course the field's a little bigger. And like, honestly, that is the most like exhaust that I've ever felt in a game of ultimate. Like I'm normally like one of the players, I think, who's like, you know, still pretty bouncy. But in those games, I was so tired. <laughs> Just like running from line to line, like to get on the point was really hard. So I, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for, for people who place like sports like that, like for longer games on bigger fields after the playing in the PUL. And if we do get to get back on the field, I'll have to work on my fitness to be able to perform at those really long, hot games. Yeah. And you might be able to settle the debate as well between uh, playing the one game format with the wider field, shorter time in between points. Are you more tired from one game of that than you are like a Saturday at a college tournament, maybe not nationals, but like a Easterns or like Queen City, which one are you more tired from? Well, I guess it depends. I mean, I don't know. I, I felt maybe more tired at the one game format, just like at, by the end of that second day. I mean, that was like a little bit of a fluke because it was championship weekend. So we played two games. So, you know, that was like a hybrid situation. But yeah, I don't know. Although it's been so long since I've had that terrible end of tournament tired feeling that it's hard to know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Uh, the debate's still up for grabs there. And then along with all the things I mentioned, you were able to represent Team USA, unfortunately not being able to do so uh, on the women's national team. But with the mixed team, you were able to in U24s in 2019. So what was that like? 
Yeah, I mean, that was just another, like, amazing experience. Probably some of the best two weeks of my life, honestly, if I had to, like, rank weeks. It was so great to get to meet all these other players that I'd played against in college or seen play on TV or in, in real life. And it was just, like, melding with that team and learning, learning everyone's personalities and on-field preferences just over such a short amount of time. And just seeing how close we got was really, really fun. And then, you know, not to mention the actual tournament itself, not even the ultimate, but getting to just meet people from all over the world and see how this love of this, this sport that transcends like culture lines or language lines or whatever. I mean, we, we can all just like love it in the same exact way. And I think that was really, really, really fun to see. And then of course, like winning was amazing <laughs> and um, getting to celebrate and just like walk away feeling yeah, just like kind of feeling on top of the world. Like that was that was just amazing. And that being your first national team experience there, what was the trial process like for you personally? Were you kind of intimidated at that point or you were you had been playing against a lot of these uh players in college and in clubs. So were you kind of confident heading into it or were you a bit uh, intimidated or what were you feeling there? For U24s, I was definitely nervous, very nervous. I mean, yeah, I mean I think the fact that I didn't ever play U20 or try out for U20 was definitely a disadvantage because I had no idea what to expect at the tryouts. And a lot of other people trying out had tried out for U20s. So, but I mean, once I got there and once I like really got immersed, it was just so fun. Like playing with all these people that I'd played against, like getting a chance to play with them was amazing. And like, I just remember like a certain mixed scrimmage, like Joe White was on my team and he threw me like a perfect huck. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, like whether or not I make the team. So, I mean, definitely a lot of nerves at first, but by the second day, I felt like I belonged and really got to just enjoy the ultimate. And was the tryout experience then for the national team itself, the World Ultimate and Guts Championship team, a little bit different for you then, knowing that you had that U24 experience, or was it kind of the similar feelings, or what was that like? Well, I was a lot more nervous because I had broken my right hand so I was playing lefty at the tryouts, which nice, was nice. just like very nerve wracking because I couldn't really throw, you know, like I definitely, I couldn't throw a flick. So, I mean, I did have fun at those tryouts, but more than anything, it was just like feeling a little bit inadequate, honestly. When I did something good, I was like, but I could be playing so much differently, you know, if I didn't have to dump the disc every single time I caught it. But, I mean, it was still fun and, and still got to meet so many idols and so many people that I look up to and get, got to play with them. And, and, and that, was, that was amazing, too. But, yeah, that one was definitely more nerves because, I mean, it's a bigger stage and I didn't have my, my throwing hand, which was a bummer. So, uh, can you confirm now that you do have your right hand good to go when Ultimate comes back? You're uh, yes. showing the right hand good to go, no cast or anything? Nothing. Full use of the right hand. It's 100% back, so... Yeah, that's awesome. And as we were talking off air, uh, eligibility, you know, rolling back there for college. So as we talked about, you're able to come back then for, I guess, the sixth year of Ultimate, depending on what happens with schooling, right? So you're, uh, are you excited for that, hoping that college season will happen in 2021 there? So the college championships this spring is already already postponed to next fall so technically i'll be playing my seventh year of ultimate next year and potentially get to play in two national championships in my seventh year so yeah i mean i'm in medical school and my schedule is not totally set this far in advance so i actually have no idea how much i'll be able to come to 
but I mean, obviously I'm hoping I can, I can make some of the, some of the tournaments. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. It's a wait and see approach. And I know you gave some advice earlier. Do you have any more advice for people who, especially who come from different sports that don't necessarily pick up ultimate at a younger age, but someone who picks it up in college, let's say, what's some advice you would have for them? That might be a bit different than someone who, you know, started playing ultimate when they were 12. And uh, because there are kids like that now uh, throughout the country and throughout Canada as well. I think something that really helped me was finding a mentor and kind of sticking to them. So if you can find someone that plays the way you want to play, like you're watching them and you're like, oh my gosh, like her flick huck is so amazing or like, wow, she plays the best dumb defense. Like I want to be her. Just basically be like, hey, can you help me like get to where you are? Or like, can you tell me how you do that dump cut? Because I think a lot of people might be too nervous to do that or feel like they're not, that the other person wouldn't really want to help them. But all my experience in the ultimate community has showed that people are just like dying to talk about what they can do and like dying to help other people. So in fact, you're probably going to be making their day by asking them for advice. So yeah, I think for me, like having having some really great mentors and just like an eye of like, that's where I want to be, you know? Like I want to be as dominant as Jenny Way is downfield. Like I want people to just throw it up to me because I'm cutting and they have trust in me that I'm going to catch the disc. And then you have like somewhere to work towards. Yeah, I like, I like the sticking to the mentors because you've definitely uh, given a shout out to them during this episode. And so now, Anne, we're going to move to segment two there, day-to-day life. For you, it's going to be a little bit different because experiencing medical school and ultimate, that's going to be uh, something tricky. But in terms of your undergrad life, what was your daily life like uh, in college? How much time were you uh, in class and how much time were you in practice and things like that? Well, we practiced four days a week while I was in college for, I guess, two hours each practice. And then outside of that, we were expected to do one or two lifts a week. And then we played mini once a week. So... I was dedicating a lot of time to ultimate and when people like ask me how I like I don't know I you know did a lot of like research in undergrad and like a lot of a lot of things to like help me get into med school and like my answer is really basically just like that's all I did like prepared for med school and I played a lot of frisbee and like I you know sacrificed probably like a lot of other things to do those two things but yeah I mean I guess I was probably like doing school from like nine to five and then doing frisbee from six to ten and having fun on the weekends and yeah it was amazing (laughs) college was awesome (laughs) yeah the best years of your life uh, a lot of people say uh, is college there and so with medical school now what's that commitment going to be like uh, for you in uh, in terms of time do you know at all what that's going to be like So I'm in the middle of my second year of med school. So last fall, I was doing college ultimate and med school, and it was definitely hard. Like it was, I had to more than, I pretty much always just put ultimate first and school had filled in the gaps and it had worked out. But in med school, I found that that like was not going to work because for once it was like, okay, this is, this is my career. And I, you know, I really care about it and I want to do it. It obviously comes first. And then also just like my time was a lot more limited, like on the weekends and stuff. Sometimes I just couldn't, couldn't make it to a tournament. So it was really hard being one foot in and one foot out of Pleiades that fall. And I anticipate that it will be hard again next fall. And next fall I'll be in 
in the clinic, as they say. So I'll be like in the hospital and stuff and might have to work on weekends and, you know, might have to work late. So I really don't know how much I'm going to be able to make, but I'll definitely try my hardest. Although, unfortunately, a Frisbee tournament doesn't count as an excused absence in med school. So <laughs> I'll have to just kind of hope my breaks align with um, important tournaments. We'll see. Yeah, I don't think Queen City tune-up or Easterns or even Nationals counts as uh, something viable for you to miss a clinic placement there. And are there any other, uh, that you know of, any other varsity athletes at UNC that are in med school? Like, do you know of any? Well, there are a lot of people who played varsity sports in undergrad that are in med school, but I don't know many people who are playing current, like playing while in med school. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure, but I don't know of anyone else. So, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a tough thing to balance for sure. And a non-ultimate question for you, what's your aspirations with medical school? What do you hope to do? Dr. Worth someday, I guess, but uh, what, what do you, uh, you, maybe you've practiced saying that to yourself, because you probably should, just so you can really envision that that's what people will call you, so. <laughs> I think I want to do family medicine, so kind of cradle to grave. Yeah, just be a general practitioner, hopefully somewhere in like a rural area that doesn't have many doctors. That's, that's, that's been my like ambition since undergrad, so we'll, we'll see where I end up, but that's, that's my goal. So with medical school and the aspirations of becoming, as I've mentioned, Dr. Worth there in the rural area, somewhere in North Carolina, practicing family medicine there, do you expect that maybe your ultimate career might take a backseat to that because you want to focus on that? Or what do you envision for your future there? Well, I mean, I still love Ultimate as much as I did in college. I'm still as hooked on it as I ever was. So I'm really hoping to be able to do both in some way. And I know Ultimate will have to take a back seat at least for like maybe a couple years or like a couple summers or, you know, whatever time frame looks like between now and residency and early clinical years. But I, I don't know. I still have hope that I'll be able to do both in some capacity. We'll just just take it, you know, one week at a time for now. I like the attitude there. And so with that, what are some goals that you still want to accomplish uh, in the sport then? You've uh, won a couple things, but in terms of some individual awards and uh, your teams have been pretty successful as well. But what are, what are the other goals you have? Winning a national championship with Raleigh Phoenix is like chief among my goals. I think Phoenix has been really great in the past. And then the past couple of years, I feel like we've really been on an upward trajectory and accumulating a lot of talent in the triangle. And it would feel amazing to continue that and to like eventually win a club championship also, winning a college championship with UNC Pleiades would be amazing. The trajectory, no place to go but up after finishing third. So, you know, in the next coming years, the, both of those would be amazing. I also think, like, personally, getting to play for the WUGC team would be, like, getting to actually play, ma ma make the team again, and then actually play would be amazing. And then, you know, a reach goal would be making a World Games team. Like, I think... I like it. Yeah, I mean, that's... I'm not going to lie, like, that's been on my mind. Like, that's that's where I want to be one day. So, yeah, we'll see. You got you to gotta shoot for the stars, right? If and when you make that team, we're going to come back to this podcast years earlier and say this is where that dream got started, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff there. So, third segment now. We're going to go back into the archive. You've played a lot of Ultimate, so it's going to be hard to choose. Do you want to pick your favorite game that you've played in or least favorite game you've played in? Let's start with least favorite. 
Okay, so go ahead and share your least favorite game with the audience there. So my least favorite tournament was definitely one of the games at Commonwealth Cup, the year that it was just like a total mud pit. Like there was like four inches of standing water on the field. It was like 33 degrees. I swear it was like right above freezing. And it was just, it was pretty miserable. Like we were all so cold and just like so wet. I remember going to like a Chick-fil-A at halftime or like in our bye and just like getting everything so muddy and like, I don't know, it was, it was terrible. And then not to mention, we, we finally got on the turf at the end of that tournament and played OSU, which was our like, like rival that year, essentially. And we ended up, we went down like 5-0 or something and ended up crawling back and then still losing. And it was, so I don't know whether to say that specific game or just like that tournament in general, because it was all just like so frustrating and unpleasant. But yeah, that, that's, that's one I could forget. The muddy ultimate just, and with all the rain and the weather, it just doesn't sound really like ultimate at that point. You're just, it's kind of like basic survival as the audience listening there. You probably understand those kind of games where you just, to be honest, I don't even think you want to win or lose. You just want to get out of there at that point and get dry. Would you, would you say that's true? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, at that point, like all the systems go out the window. It's literally just huck and pray. Like, I mean, yeah, you can't really run or move. Everyone has so many layers on that their arms are like, you know, straight rods. It's yeah, it was it was it was brutal. <laughs> and you got to thank the coaches then. And because like if coach Jesse Jones was there, probably huddled in a blanket, maybe got the clipboard still going on. Like that's true dedication to the development of your team there. Yeah, Jesse, she got waterproof paper in preparation. She was out there. You you better believe it. She's nothing if not dedicated. Wow, that's uh I mean, I've learned something new. Hopefully you did as well that there's waterproof paper you can buy. So if you're a coach listening and uh, your team plays in a specifically rainy area, I'm thinking Vancouver as one example. <laughs> so uh you can get that waterproof paper and put it on your clipboard and uh you're good to go. And what about your favorite game now? So we'll uh, transition Favorite game or favorite tournament, you can choose which one you want to talk about. So my favorite game was probably at Northwest Challenge. I think it was in 2019. And we got to play the Friday night showcase game against UCSD. And it's at that stadium, like in downtown Seattle, like right under the Space Needle, basically. It's like this old stadium that's like super sick and like, you know, under the lights. And it was, UCSD was kind of our... I don't know, they were just like the reach team on the West Coast that we never get to play, but like we see them crushing it at all the West Coast tournaments and we finally got to see them. And like, we were so excited and we ended up winning and it was like a really like good gritty game, even though Dina wasn't playing, which was a little sad. But yeah, I think I just have like really great memories of that game and like that setting. It just felt so like elite, you know? It, it felt like a real, yeah, a real sport. It was amazing. <laughs> You're continuing the theme of the podcast here for a lot of people who come on, talk about continue to make uh, ultimate mainstream there and, and more of a quote unquote real sport. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Dina Ali Malik as well, who's also been on the podcast. So if you want to hear about her experience, she doesn't talk about this game probably because she wasn't playing in it. So uh, you can hear that podcast in the podcast archive as well. So now that we're done that and we're going to move to rapid fire, we're going to start off with some ultimate questions first. So, which throw do you prefer, your flick or backhand? Backhand. What about uh, your hammer or scuba? Scuba, because I cannot throw a hammer. 
Well, hey, always things to work on, right? As you uh, mentioned. Yeah, but I've also, I've never thrown an upside down throw in a sanctioned game. So <laughs> don't look out for either. Wow. So you just got scouted right there. So if you're marking up against Anne, you don't need to mark necessarily high up with the left hand because she isn't going to throw the scuba over your left shoulder there. That's just a, a tip for the scouts uh, listening there. And what about, would you rather, you said you're a cutter. So maybe you haven't had experience with this, but would you rather drop a pole or drop a catch in the end zone? Ooh, drop a catch in the end zone. Yeah, that seems to be a, a common theme there. And what about at nationals, either club or college? Because you mentioned you want to win both. So would you rather have one gold medal or a string of five straight silver medals? Ooh, that's a really hard one. I guess one gold medal. But yeah, that's tough. I think winning would be really gratifying. Although, I mean, playing in all those really high-level games would feel really good. I don't know. I'm going with one gold, but, you know, both would be amazing. Yeah, you might change your mind later is what it sounds like. A hot topic issue there. Should Ultimate change its name to something else? I mean, I've heard this discussed on Ulti World plenty. I don't love the name of the sport, to be honest. I feel embarrassed when I tell people it a little bit. But I can't see changing it at this point it's too late too far gone yeah yeah too far gone that's fair and what about playing in the professional leagues as well as playing club in college you're gonna have different kind of refereeing systems there so do you think ultimate overall should have referees or they should just have observers or or kind of a combination of the both like what do you think about that honestly to me it's not that important i think the self-officiating is really convenient and I think it, you know, provides a nice spirit of the game foundation and all of that. But I am not somebody who's going to die on that hill. You know, I also think having referees is really convenient because a lot of times players get the calls wrong and that's super frustrating. So I wouldn't mind having referees. I also don't mind it being self-officiated. Either way is fine with me. Yeah, you've probably been part of some... Uh chippy games potentially that didn't have observers that you know you wish there was like a third party official or someone just to say hey this is the right call right i'm, I'm sure every ultimate player has experienced that at some point yeah last one of the ultimate related questions should ultimate continue to pursue its place in the olympic games i think so personally i mean i have always thought of like loved the olympics loved watching them and felt like the olympics was such a wonderful like show of global cohesiveness and like i mentioned earlier finding people around the world like seeing the same joy that ultimate brings them that it brings me like that's happening a thousand times every minute at the olympics and i think just like seeing that humanity in each other is really what the world needs right now and i mean i want to play ultimate on like the biggest stage possible honestly so like, selfishly, I think it would be really amazing and really fun. And then kind of on a grander scheme, like, I think the Olympics is one of the last things that the whole world cooperates on. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, you know, and I love your uh, forthcomingness in terms of wanting to pursue the best. Because sometimes people are, are, not that you're not humble, but it's like you have goals and you want to achieve them. Whereas some people would be like, oh, it'd be nice if this happened. But you're saying like, hey, I want this and I want to push myself to get it. So... Love that. Love that sentiment right there. And so now some non-sports questions. The first one being, I'm going to give you a chance to share a meal with three people in the course of human history. They can be living or brought back from the dead. And you're going to share the most amazing dinner with them. 
So who are you going to pick to have this meal with? Okay, I mean, John Adams is my historical crush, so I would definitely bring him back. Well, I just watched a really great tennis match last night, and I think Serena Williams I would really like to have at the table. And then third, I would say my grandmother on my mom's side died before I, like, could really remember who she was. And I think it would be really awesome to, like, meet her and get to chat with her. So, yeah. So, summarizing, you got John Adams, Serena Williams, and one of the grandmothers in, in your life, or was part of your life, at this table, at this meal. That's sweet. And as I mentioned in the bio there, you living out in Raleigh, North Carolina. So, imagine... You're putting on the biggest concert that Raleigh's ever seen in your backyard. You can book any band or artist in the world. They could be, you know, a band that's broken up or one of their members has passed away or whatever that looks like. And you have to pick the order in which they play. So who are you going to have at this epic concert in your backyard in Raleigh? So I think I would open with the Beatles. Just because, like, you know, it's such a classic. I feel like, you know, they got to be there, but they're not the headliner. And then... Queen would be second. And then Weird Al Yankovic, my oldest favorite band. Shout out to me in elementary and middle school. I think seeing him live would be awesome. So he would be the headliner. Yeah, I've never heard Weird Al uh, suggested there on the podcast. So that's a first for you folks. And so do you have a favorite song from Weird Al? I know we had an album called like Running With Scissors back in the day or something. You probably know what I'm talking about. If you're a Weird Al fan, you definitely know what I'm talking about. So is there a favorite song that you have from him that you would want him to end the show with? Either Amish Paradise or White and Nerdy, both of which I had completely memorized as a younger human. So yeah, those those two are close to my heart. Those are parodies of what two songs? I think it's Gangsta's Paradise and... uh... Is it Riding Dirty, I assume? Riding Dirty, yeah. <laughs> By Chameleonaire? Nice, nice. Love the throwbacks. You gotta love the throwbacks. So, last question here of the podcast. You can't choose Ultimate to answer this question. So, I'm gonna give you all the talent in the world, athletic talent. And so, you can pick a team or an individual sport to play in. And if you pick a team sport, you can pick the position and team you play for. And vice versa. If you pick an individual sport, like the tournament you play at, you know, the Masters for golf or Wimbledon for tennis or whatever that looks like. So what would you pick? Quarantine has made me branch out and I've actually been playing a lot of tennis. So I think with tennis on the brain, I would probably say like winning the U.S. Open or something. Being like a pro tennis player would be my, yeah, my my choice. Yeah, or you could try to win the whole the whole Grand Slam, right? The whole thing, all, all four tournaments. I thought you were going to say disc golf, because pretty much every Ultimate player that you probably know and their mom has started uh, playing disc golf at this point. So it sounds like you've branched out a little bit, starting to play some tennis. Yeah, tennis and pickleball. I mean, I yeah, I'm, I'm really not very good at disc golf, so it didn't entertain me for long. <laughs> That's fair. Looks like you need some of those uh, really stimulus driving sports like a, like a tennis and pickleball. So, Anne, that actually ends our show for today. Thanks for coming on the show virtually, of course, all the way from uh, North Carolina, the Triangle area. So, Anne, if our audience wants to find out more about you, find you on social media, and maybe some of the games you've played in, can you plug some of that? And I'll make sure to add that in the show description. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram at buddyann22. And... Other than that, I mean, I think a lot of the footage is on Ulti World and some of it's on YouTube. 
But yeah, feel free to reach out. Yeah, I will uh, find any UNC Pleiades games, Raleigh Phoenix, and if there's any Radiance games as well, uh, I'll make sure to plug that in the show description. So if you want to check that out, see Ann Worth in action. Dr. Worth, as we uh, talked about in this podcast, you can see that as well. So Ann, thanks for coming on the podcast. I had a great time talking with you and wish you all the best with uh, medical school and also pursuing Ultimate as well and pursuing those dreams that you mentioned there in the episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Thanks for listening. Keep an eye out for the next episode where I interview Brett Matsuka, a mainstay in the U.S. club scene, as he's played for teams like Denver Johnny Bravo, Chicago Machine, Raleigh Ring of Fire, and Pittsburgh Temper. And he has also represented the U.S. on multiple occasions, including winning a gold medal in the mixed division at the 2016 World Ultimate and Guts Championships, and he was an alternate with the 2013 USA World Games team. In this interview, Brett talks about his long Ultimate career and his early experiences playing in Australia, the reasons why he plays Ultimate, and what led him to play with the different teams he has played for. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Juan underscore and underscore only underscore sports, and you can see some of my commentating highlights on YouTube at Juan and Only Sports. Catch you listeners on the flip side. Peace.